Thank you for joining us for the Culture Conversations podcast, where we help good people create great workplace cultures. We truly believe that together we thrive. I'm your host and culture coach, Melanie Boer. All right, we are officially recording and I will um, stop if needed. Gentlemen, if you hear from Dr. Laura, let's, we'll get her pulled in here. I'm sure she'll be here with us mom- momentarily. Um, thank you guys for joining. Excited to see everyone this morning. Um, I'm Melanie Boer. I've met most of you before. And if not, I'm excited to, to meet those of you that I haven't. Um, I'm a culture coach and uh, working to do fractional HR because I think that those things go very much hand in hand. Um, and the purpose of these conscious culture roundtables is really to get people that are like-minded, that recognize the importance of being intentional about culture, um, because, you know, as we know, many people sell a product or a service, but culture is your competitive advantage. And that's kind of a, an exciting um, leg to stand on, if you will, uh, the differentiator that, that boosts our organizations over time. Uh, we want to have a conversation, kind of casual conversation today, and we're going to pull in um, hopefully some good insights from Dr. Laura. Um, But I do want to uh, take a moment to kind of go around and let you guys introduce yourselves. Um, What I'd like to kind of hear is just kind of a brief, you know, your name, your organization. Um, And the question that I want you to answer is something along, and I'm gonna take notes kind of as we go here, but what is something that you're doing to try and be intentional about culture, maybe within your organization, maybe it's just about you as a person, being a good person and engaging others. Um, but something along the lines of something you're doing to be intentional about driving culture, especially in this day and age. Okay. Um, and I will kind of take some notes as we go here. Um, Kathleen, why don't you get us started? Sure. I know many of you as well. Uh, Kathleen Crawford with Bailing Company Benefits Group. We do employee benefits for companies. And I always tell Melanie, it's just a little more fun for us to help companies that have a good culture. And we do help clients of all needs, some that offer benefits just to check a box and others that offer every benefit under the sun because they know it impacts the culture. So um, it's just fun for us to have benefits and culture align. And I would say what was something that we're doing that just continues good culture. Mm -hmm. So part of my role is to add value to future clients before they know what it's like to work with us. So actually after this call today, I have reached out to someone I've been talking to for a year or so now and um, offering some help just because it's the right thing to do, even though we don't work together. So that's how I kind of help in society. Wonderful. Uh, Ron Chambers, how about you? Hi, thanks. Hi, everybody. Ron Chambers. I'm with the International Chambers Group, and um, I've been working in the employee benefits space, primarily on voluntary benefits for about 20 years with some products like ID Shield and Legal Shield. And I've recently added a couple of new product lines. One's called Life Exec and one is called Emergency Info. And in my tenure with benefits, I've learned many times that people are not prepared when things, when bad things happen. So everything that I do and all the offerings that I have are really geared around helping people uh, with uh, those types of situations, whether it's uh, accident, uh, a death, uh, or just being prepared for a medical emergency. I also offer telemedicine, I forgot that one. Uh, So what I'm doing uh, in terms of culture is I'm reading Melanie's book (laughs) right now. That's a great one, Ron, I like that one. 
Uh, suck it I up. I missed that bit. one. Shoot. Sorry. No. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I've always been aware of it. Uh, I don't think I've always been that good at it. Um, you know, I uh, work with a lot of independent salespeople. So creating a culture for people who are out kind of, you know, running their own businesses is a little different. Uh, but I just, I guess what I've done so far is just try to be helpful and available and a pro be a problem solver for them when they, when something, you know, doesn't go right and they reach out to me. So back to you, Melanie. Thank you. And benefit perks that helps others. That's intentional too. So I appreciate that. Um, how about Ed? Tell us about yourself. Hey, I'm a uh, career coach um, um, outside of Philly. Um, been doing it for quite some time. Um, I've, we help people who are uh, working and people who are in job transition. Most of the people we help uh, today happen to be working. Uh, so this whole area of uh, culture, it, 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 I see the I see the negative effects because people call me at all levels, especially at the director, vice president, C level. Hey, culture is horrible, uh, uh, and I don't I don't see it changing. I want to get the heck out of here. Or can you help me as an executive coach influence culture to, for the better? So this whole area is something that, that I deal with. Uh, uh, the problem is I'm dealing with the, the effects um, and people either want to get out uh, uh, most of the time. So um, have a unique relationship with uh, Dr. Laura. I've been her executive coach for quite some time. So uh, she and I have a very unique relationship and we've worked on many, many projects uh, behind the scenes. Uh, uh, at different uh, different capacities. Uh, I'm also an author of Optimize Your Resume, uh, Do's and Don'ts, a book that I published a couple of years ago, doing quite well. Um, I'm a radio host in Philadelphia for three years now at eight o'clock. Um, and I host a uh, pretty large team that does career assessments um, across the US. And those assessments is really interesting. Um, a lot of times when you're doing these assessments for people at all levels, right up to, you know, Fortune 500 leaders, uh, culture does play a role in terms of people's decisions in terms of what they want to do next. So um, I'm here because of Dr. Laura. I'm here because uh, uh, I looked at some of the profiles uh, on LinkedIn. It's like, wow, what a team. Uh, and uh, I'm here to learn. And um, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Sabrina, how about you? Hi, I'm with Hilltop Companies. Um, we basically uh, provide concrete, rocks, gravel um, in the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area. Um, we are trying to, uh, we, we had read the book, The Culture Solution by Matthew Kelly, trying to um, uh, make some improvements here. I did order your book. It's coming Monday. <laughs> so looking forward to reading it. Um, I think um, for myself, trying to have more, uh, do a better job at um, like intentional conversations and follow up. Um, we get so busy. Um, it's easy to lose track of, you know, doing regular check-ins. So I'm trying to um, encourage people um, as far as, you know, how we are helping others and, and doing a better job. That's good. Thank you for being here. Um, how about Corinne? Good morning. My name is Corinne Widmeyer. I am currently an HR department of one at a family-owned third-party logistics company here in Cincinnati. We're small but mighty, so we're right around 50. So I can say department of one probably for a little bit longer. Um, but 
In terms of how we and I are really building into intentional culture, uh, to steal shamelessly from Ron, and I am also reading Melanie's book, it's, I think it really came at the perfect time this summer, especially as everyone's coming back to the office. I was a bit remote for most of 2020, so being there for the employees and kind of rebuilding that relationship with HR, honestly, after this whole pandemic, it's been great to see so many faces, but to just be present and us all be together again has really helped us as a group be intentional about our culture. Thanks for having me this morning. Glad, glad to have you here. I, it's shameless plug. I'm so thankful that you guys are reading my book. You don't, you don't have to mention that as your reason why, but I love it. And I love Corinne, what you said about rebuilding HR. That's great intentionality. Um, how about Colleen? Hi guys, um, I'm Colleen. I'm a fractional HR manager um, and executive recruiter for a slice of HR. Um, I guess to famously quote uh, Melanie, this isn't in our book, but I think it should be. Um, you know, as my our company grows, she said once, "Oh crap! Now we have to do everything we tell everyone else to do." Um, so I always think culture uh, starts from the bottom up. I think a lot of times you sit in boardrooms and. Um, directors and CEOs will tell you what the culture is or what they want the culture to be, but it actually starts with the people you hire. And so uh, we spend a lot of time assessing employees. And so I've been doing a lot of that with my team. Like what is actually important to you? You know, what is the culture you want to work on? Because I think it's almost important for a culture to be, you know, I think it's important that it aligns with the people you have in your organization and culture should look really different from one organization to the other. So um, anyways, that's why I've just been really in some really crazy things always come up when you have these meetings. So, um, you know, just looking into some benefits with the team that would create our culture in a way that's aligned to, you know, our individual values and our collective ones. And of Thank course, you. I read Melanie's book as well. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, any quote that begins with, oh crap, we have to do something, that should be a famous quote. I don't know. That's, that's pretty important. Thank I you. Know, I always say that. I'm like, well, maybe I should do the things I'm telling everyone else to do. <laughs> so part that's, of our that's lead, basically what I'm doing, taking my own advice. It's part of our lead by example, Colleen. We got, we got that. <laughs> All right. How about Neil? Good morning, everyone. Um, and Melanie and everybody, I, I'm monitoring my phone to see if and when Laura will be able to join us. Hopefully she will. Okay. Um, but anyway, I know I've known Laura for a long time. Um, she and I actually meet weekly. We sort of coach each other in job search and career and helping each other wherever we can. And our friendship has grown dramatically. And we met last week for the first time in person for breakfast. And it was really a wonderful experience. I've also known Ed for a long time. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug his book. Optimize your resume. This is an excellent book for job seekers and folks who are currently employed, and also HR people, because it teaches you about what, what's happening out there. So, Ed, I bought this book the first time you plugged it. I love it. I refer to it all the time, and my resume matches what you have recommended. So, good stuff. And, Melanie, I think I need to buy your book. I will, <laughs> I will, I will, I will, I will jump on that given the recommendations. Anyway, I'm a, I'm a job seeker right now, most recently with Barclays Bank. I have a background in corporate citizenship and employee engagement. And really what I'm looking for are roles in that employee engagement space, either director of corporate citizenship, director of employee engagement, directly director of community engagement, or leadership roles in nonprofit. Um, and I, you know, I, I have an HR MBA and I've done a lot of HR work, 
and I really enjoy connecting HR to the, to the workforce and HR to the programs. So when I manage programs, there's always that aspect of, of the engagement piece. But importantly, to your question about culture, culture, as Ed mentioned, it's extremely important right now. And I think as a job seeker and also as an employer, matching culture up front is critical. And I remember when looking back at the whole Enron scandal situation, and they had a big culture statement, like nine-page culture statement. Culture's not on paper. It's in practice. You see it in, in interactions and how a company operates, and you know it when you see it. So for me, culture is extremely important. And, I, and it is one of the first questions I ask, or one of the first things I try to figure out is, what's the culture like? And you can learn a lot through the interactions between an application, working with different leaders and companies, and you get a good sense of what culture is. Open, engaging, transparent, honest. Those are critical things for me. And I know for everybody else. So I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. And I love that you're telling us about Ed's book. If anyone else has books they want to plug for sure, I want you to talk about it. And I love the intentionality of making culture part of your processes. Sounds like part of recruitment, part of onboarding. I love that. Okay. Uh, Katie, how about you? Sorry, I had to find my unmute. Um, I am Katie. I am an HR manager. Um, in the Columbus, Ohio area for a wedding and event venue and organic farm. Um, so we are small at a, a hundred people, um, woman-owned business that kind of started as an organic farm and then just kept growing, growing, growing. So now we're just trying to, we have actually five companies within that. So really kind of taking the time now to make sure that all of our managers understand what our values and our culture, what we want them to be so the difference between people that are working in the corporate I say corporate I work in a farmhouse but um you know the corporate office compared to people that are working out in the field or for the catering business or for the floral design group um understanding overall what's important to us and those values so really just we grew really fast and so we're now just trying to take a step back and make sure that when we're bringing on managers that they're aligned with our values and defining those and that sort of thing i love that defining it in your values thank you welcome um how about rachel good morning hi everyone i'm rachel ansar um i'm working with alex bowden at people first uh, remotely from Colorado and this industry is so new to me so at the moment I'm just trying to learn 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 and um, it's so interesting it was Melanie that got me into this in the beginning <clears throat> because that's all she ever talked about was culture and I just absolutely loved it so I was really happy to be um, to get a new position really um, in this role so I don't really know I haven't been let loose on any clients yet so um, as far as being intentional, I'm just really trying to catch up with everybody else um, because it's all so new. So I'm just uh, doing a lot of reading and I will be shadowing soon. And I'm doing a lot of work in the background, really, just to try and catch up and do what you guys are doing. <laughs> hey, yeah, Rachel, I'm sorry. I, 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 you faded out on me in the beginning. What is your role right now? Um, so I'm just training to be a consultant. Um, well, I'm getting there. So I'm having to find out where, uh, which area my niche is. And um, so I'm, I'm just learning a bit of everything at the moment. Okay, thank you. Thank you. 
Wonderful to have you, Rachel. It's funny, we do have a group from kind of all over again, which is exciting. Um, and then Miss Alex, are you with us, Alex? She might have stepped away. Alex, are you with us? Are you muted? All right. Well, we, we had been putting out some feelers and it sounds like Dr. Laura is joining us here, which is a good thing. Um, so we will kind of keep that moving. Uh, I love hearing all these different ideas of things we're doing to be intentional about culture. I think that that is, that is where it's important and why it's important. You know, it matters to this group. We know that because everyone's here, everyone's wanting to learn. And I think one of the best ways too is learning from each other. Um, I see Dr. Laura joining us here. Her audio is connecting. Real quick while she's connecting. Alex, are you with us? This is the joy, the joy of technology. It's amazing until it's not amazing. Oh, okay, Dr. Laura, hey, unmute yourself. She's unmuting. I'm sorry, I'm late. Um, okay. I'm at the beach and I had trouble connecting. Uh, well, we're glad, we were worried it was something much worse. So, hey, no. that the beach is the worst thing you have for us, that's understandable. And we really just got through some introductions. Um, okay. I will share some of that stuff with you. Um, I took some good notes. So I'll make sure that you have all that information, but we want to, at this point, really kind of learn a little bit about, um, about you and about your background. I know I shared with everyone uh, through email, the um, culture and leadership assessment uh, fit thing that I know you're gonna talk about, which is exciting. Right. And we're excited just to kind of hear from you and learn from you. Do you have, do you need a moment to pull up your, your stuff or can you tell us, teach us? I am going to pull up my deck <laughs> and let's go. All right. Do you want me to um, share screen with you so you can show us what you have going on? Yes. Okay. So hold on one second. I just have to make you the co-host. And so now that you're with me here, we got you. I think she can do it herself too at the bottom. I have the option to share my screen. Yep. Okay, good. I made you the co-host too, Dr. Laura, so you can take control and share. Okay, hold on. I'm working on one screen. Okay, so share screen. Give me a second. Leadership and culture. Can everybody see that? I yep. can, yep. Is that a yes for everyone? Yes, you're good. Okay. Okay, so you did introduce me, Melanie, or I should just give a little snippet. Well, give us a give us a brief about yourself. I didn't say a whole lot because I wanted, you know, they've seen it on in writing, but yeah, tell us a little bit about you and your work. Uh, my name is Dr. Laura. Currently, I'm a leadership and organizational change consultant. I retired from 25 years in the healthcare space. And I've also been an adjunct professor for about 15 years at a local university in Philadelphia, uh, Gwen and Mercy University. Today, we wanna to talk, of course, about uh, culture, 
but from a unique perspective. And that is how to ascertain or assess an organization's culture, right? Especially before you sign on the dotted line. We're also gonna talk a little bit about how to assess the hiring manager before signing on the dotted line because that's a critical relationship, right? So let's dive in. So we have a few minutes for questions. So we're gonna talk again about culture. We'll give a definition of culture. It's a kind of a sticky, sticky uh, topic. And we're gonna relate that to our individual personalities because that's really the, the key question. Do, does our personality, our values, our skills match the organization and the hiring manager? So we're gonna talk about the eight cultural frameworks and I'm gonna give you examples of the eight so you can learn how to do this assessing all by yourself. We'll talk about organizational climate, which is really the components of culture. And then we're gonna talk about sources and types of leadership power. And this is geared toward uh, assessing the hiring manager in relationship to you. And then we'll, I'm gonna give you some tips on how to determine alignment between yourself the organization and yourself and the hiring manager. And this is a picture of Peter Drucker, one of my mentors who now deceased, uh, also known as the father, father of modern management, okay? Industry guru. He said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. That's how critical it is, okay? Okay, so really what is this thing that we call culture? It's kind of like love and trust. We know what it is intuitively, but it's hard to really come up with a definition, okay? Culture is really the tacit social order of an organization. It's implied often, it's inferred, it's understood. But what it does, it shapes behaviors and attitude in an organization in wide ranging and very durable ways. It really represents the organization's norms and the definition of what is acceptable and not acceptable behavior in an organization. So it comes to us cognitively, emotionally and in situational dimensions, right? Culture provides individuals and groups with mental schema for interpreting and influencing an environment via motivations, identifications, and affiliations. When culture is aligned with your personality, your personal goals, your purpose, your skills, your needs, your values, it can create and release a tremendous amount of energy towards your personal achievement and from an organizational standpoint, a shared purpose, which propels an organization to thrive. I hope you have a little bit better understanding of what we mean by that term culture. Let's dive into personality real quick. There's typically we measure eight personality by eight primary behavior patterns, four continuums adaptive versus directive, reserved versus interacting, objective versus supportive, 
unconventional versus conscientious, okay? And I will give you a copy of the deck so you can look at these sub bullet points. Okay, let's move. There's really four personality styles and they're measured by pace and priority, okay? Some people and personalities are fast paced. They respond quickly to challenges and choices. These are your extroverted and outgoing personality types. Or the pace is slow. Folks take time responding to challenges. The thinkers, um, they think about their choices. And these are the more introverted or re reserved personalities. Priority is also a style. There's task priority and people priority. Are you either energized and fulfilled when focusing on tasks, getting to-dos done off your list, or are you more interested in motivating people and talking about people first? So quickly, we understand that there's pace and priority and there's four pieces going on here. All of that boils down to about 17 blended profiles, okay? And in the middle, you hear, you see task versus uh, people focus, okay? But you can see that there's 17 basic, very different personalities. We're moving from a driver, director, extroversion to somebody who is the opposite continuum you see here in the green, a deep thinker, an analyzer, a researcher who tends to be more introverted. These are important when we get to the next uh, eight uh, cultural frameworks. So keep these in mind. And these are disc-based personality profiles. So with respect to culture, this, this research has come out of um, Harvard, okay? Harvard identified eight basic cultural frameworks, and you see them on the right-hand side here. There's a caring culture, which is focused on relationships and mutual trust. There's a purpose-driven culture, which is focused on idealism and altruism. There's a learning culture, which is focused, of course, on learning, exploration, and creativity. There's an enjoyment culture, which is focused on fun and excitement. There's a results-oriented culture, which is focused on achievement and winning. There's an authoritative culture, which is focused on boldness and decisiveness. <clears throat> There's a safety culture focused on planning, caution, and preparedness. And then there are cultures that are order focused, rules and structures. And each of these has a, a place in our society. We would not want the IRS to be focused on uh, anything other than rules and structure or order, right? Because that's the nature of that business. There's two primary dimensions when we talk about culture and we measure them based on the degree on which they reflect these dimensions. People interactions, the tendency toward high independence and high interdependence, and response to change, the tendency toward predictability and adaptability, right? We want the Security and Exchange Commission and the IRS to be very predictable, of course, right? 
And then organizations on the other extreme, we're not so concerned about rules and structure. We want more innovation and rapid change. And that's when we look towards Tesla and <clears throat> organizations that are high on innovation. Understand that I have these plotted here across these dimensions, right? When we talk about this, there is always a trade-off. The, the two of these opposite extremes cannot coexist, coexist together. There is a trade-off because no organization can really be all of these styles. Does that make sense? That's what I was gonna ask you, Dr. Laura. I was wondering if, I mean, I, I could see how they might have flex of some of the different ones, but what you're saying is that they very obviously lean towards one or the other. Correct. Okay. So we might have a, a, a very organization focus on safety that you will find learning in but there is a, is a uh, main, main cultural focus in each organization, right? Because you can't trade off some of these things. We can have high flexibility and autonomy at the uh, Security and Exchange Commission, Commission or IRS. It just wouldn't work, right? So look for a, typically a couple different things. Let's move on to the next one. My thing isn't moving here. Okay, let's look at some examples here. Okay, Tesla is a learning organization. And the first thing you can look to are words of the senior executives and the CEOs, okay? Now, if you look at the words of Elon Musk, you understand exactly what that culture is. I'm interested in things that change the world or that affect the future and wondrous new technology where you see it and you're like, wow, how did that happen? That gives you a real sense of what it's going to be like to work for Tesla, right? They're focused on learning. If we look at purpose and we look at John McKay, he says, most of the greatest companies in the world also have great purposes. Having a deeper, more transcendent purpose is highly energizing for all of the various interdependent stakeholders. I don't know if everybody's familiar with Whole Foods. It's a food market. They are purpose driven. You walk in their stores and you feel it immediately. One of our favorites, Disney very caring environment through and through. Bob Iger, the CEO currently said, it is incredibly important to be open and accessible and treat people fairly and look them in the eye and tell them what is on your mind. So you understand what the expectations at Disney are. Order, Security and Exchange Commission, United States. Jay Clayton, chairman, Rulemaking is a key function of the condition commission. And when we are setting the rules for the security markets, there are many rules we, the SEC, must follow. So you know it's going to be a rules-based organization. And does your personality want order or are you more entrepreneurial and flexible? If you're more entrepreneurial and flexible, you're going to suffocate and probably die at the Securities and Exchange Commission. 
safety, Lloyds of London. Inga Beal, to protect themselves, businesses should spend time understanding what specific threats they may be exposed to and speak to experts who can help. So very clear on the type of organization Lloyds of London, pre-COVID of course, is, is gonna be like. Authority, Huawei, Ren Zengfeld. We have a wolf spirit in our company. In the battle with lions, wolves have terrifying abilities. With a strong desire to win and no fear of losing, they stick to the goal firmly, making the lions exhausted in every possible way. The question is, do you have a wolf spirit? Is your personality a wolf? Because you need to be a wolf to exist at Huawei. Make sense? Results, GlaxoSmithKline. Sir Andrew Witte, I've tried to keep us focused on a very clear strategy of modernizing ourselves. Zappos, enjoyment, have fun. The game is a lot more enjoyable when you're trying to do more than make money. Very clear what Tony Slash is saying here, right? So Zappos is gonna be a very fun environment to work in as opposed to Huawei. Wolf, got a win environment. Does everybody understand these eight, how very different they are? It's neat to think of them in those frameworks though, because I don't know if I've ever mentally put them in those different areas. So that perspective brings a lot of insight. I like it. Yes, and you can do this analysis yourself at a potential company, right? Mm -hmm. Go look at the, uh, what the CEO says, and I have some other tips below. Okay, why is convergence important? It's, converge, it's important to you personally, because if your personality doesn't fit that organization, you will burn a lot of psychic and emotional energy trying to fit in, okay? But from the organization standpoint, they seek high synergy because they're mission driven and they're strategy focused. Leadership, employee engagement, customer orientation is going to propel for performance. So organizations through the hiring process are going to seek convergence there. If the organizational culture is wrong, high convergence makes it harder to change. That's a critical piece too. Okay, so what you see here in the image is uh, a study that was done where employees uh, gave their opinion on what they believed the culture was, okay? Company A, you see a lot of different opinions about what culture was and was supposed to be, and you see low convergence. Company B, it's more aligned. And organizations should do this repeatedly to make sure that the organization, everybody's rowing the same direction. Because as soon as there is abrasion, there's resistance and it's harder to hit mission and vision. Make sense? This is not to say, another caution here, that 
you will find pockets in the organization or departments in the organization that are not necessarily in alignment with the larger organization. And that is typically the results of a leader in that department or subsection of the organization. Okay. So you received an exercise on organizational climate and organizational climate really, it's just like the climate, our regular climate. We have air pressure, we have precipitation. We have all these factors that result in uh, partly sunny today and high humidity. Organizations have the same type of thing and you can see the key influencers of what we call culture, quality of work, and quality of work-life balance. And these are really psychological dimensions. So I asked you to go through exercise 5-1 <clears throat> and answer some questions. <clears throat> Depending on your score, you're going to get a 1 through 20, okay? Plot it on this continuum here you will find that the organization is either on the exploitive, impoverished side of the continuum or the supportive and enlightened continuum. The higher you get to 20, the more enlightened, the closer you get to one, the more exploitive. Underneath here, we have characteristics of these organizational types. So if you're on the exploitive, impoverished, Poverty side, you tend to have poor leadership or extremely poor leadership. You will find high attrition, turnover rates as people leave, come and go, typically low productivity and performance, a lot of gossiping and complaining among staff, high error rates and low quality, untrained and unqualified staff, or you find typically high presenteeism, high absenteeism. I'm gonna explain what presenteeism is because most people are not aware of that. <clears throat> that means people are showing up and you see them logged in and they're sitting at their chair, but they're not intellectually or mentally engaged in what they're doing. And there's a cost associated with presenteeism in performance and productivity. The other extreme, the other side of this you will find extremely effective leadership or effective leadership, high retention rates. People don't want to leave these companies. There's high productivity and performance, a lot of collaboration and camaraderie, low error rates and high quality, qualified and skilled staff, high employee engagement and low absenteeism and hardly any presenteeism because folks are engaged in their work. Let me stop here and see if there are any questions on this organizational climate exercise. Dr. Laura, is this, um, is this something that you use as kind of like an exercise with organizations and how would you, how would you do that? I use this with organizations a couple of different ways through interviews, through data in the organization, through conversation. There's a number of ways to, to uh, reframe this. You can use this 
exercise, if you're in job search or help somebody else in job search, it's a tickler list. And I have some examples coming up. Does that make sense? There are indicators for high attrition rate, for example, in an organization. And I'll ask HR, what's your, high, what's your attrition rate? And they'll give me a percentage. And I'll be able to plot it either on the exploitative end or the enlightened, right? You walk around and you talk to people on the floor or you sit in a cube and work and you observe a lot of this stuff at the organizational level through a consulting engagement. You can see uh, whether an organization is focused on learning and uh, skill development with staff because they'll have funds appropriated for those things, for those certifications and additional training. And they'll be, they'll be uh, giving money for education degree completion. Make sense? And did that answer your question? Yes, thank you. Okay. Any other question? The other exercise I asked you to complete was really a leadership exercise. Um, really to look at leaders in the organization and if you're in job search, maybe the hiring manager, okay? So when we talk about leadership, we talk about power because leaders have a significant degree of power. There really are two types, power of position and power of the person. Power of position is based on what leaders can offer to others. Power of position is very different and is based on how leaders are viewed by others. So two very different things. Under the power of position, we have reward power, okay? Which is control over pay, promotions, assignments, supplies, space, right? Coercive power is simple, capacity to punish. Leadership by intimidation is what we're talking about when we're talking about coercive power and operating on the principle of fear. Legitimate power is formal authority or title. I am the executive VP of operations. I have legitimate power by nature of my title. Information power is access to data and important news, okay? These are the keepers and access, keepers of standards, rules, information, okay? When we get to the power of person, okay, we have four very different types of power. Expert power is somebody who by education or experience has power, um, specialized knowledge, expertise, good judgment or skill in a profession. And some of these are lawyers, doctors. Referent power is the power of relationship, okay? Others, I desire to identify with the leader because they see them as a role model and they are connected to other desirable leaders. Rational power is power that you can have because you have well-developed reasoning and problem-solving problem ability. And you demonstrate that regularly. These are the, the go-to leaders. What do I do in this situation or how do I figure this out, okay? 
And then charismatic power, which I think we're all familiar with. This is the ability to motivate and, and inspire people to change and achieve great things, improve performance, etc. These people typically have attractive personal traits. They're optimistic. They have a sense of adventure and they're very committed. Okay. Does everybody understand these eight? And now we have some language to associate with some of our experience. We've all probably worked for a coercive leader. We've all probably worked for a charismatic one, but now we have language to associate with these types of leaders. Now, if you take your exercise out, we're gonna get into explaining how to use that, okay? Effective leaders use multiple sources, sources of power, but they rarely, if ever, use coercive power. And it's that simple, okay? So if you tally your scores, you'll be able to evaluate the leader that you thought about when you went through this exercise by two scores power of position score or power of person score? How did the individual score? You can use this over and over and over again. And this also I use in the consulting space, but it's a little bit tricky. There's a lot of uh, adaptation that needs to occur to really understand from a, uh, an individual's perspective what type of leader they may perceive they're, they're working with. And it's also a, a leadership coaching tool because if my staff believes that I am coercive and I don't, why? And then how do I change that perception? Dr. Laura, so I think what I hear you saying, so you want your score to be more leaning on the, like the person score. Is that right? Correct. Less, okay, less about position. Correct. But don't forget, we use all, all eight, but we should never, never or rarely use coercive power. So there are situations where you have to, you know, unfortunately, you sometimes must use co coercive power, but we really want to strive for an environment where that's not a necessity. You really want to be using one of the others. Does everybody see how you can use these tools over and over and over again in many situations? I have a quick question. This is Colleen. Hi, Colleen. Um, hi. Um, thanks. This is really interesting. Um, as far as like who's filling out the survey, like we did it as an example, but like, are you getting like several people's opinions or like to get? It, yeah, to it get depends on the. Yeah, it depends on the outcome and, and the um, nature of the, of the task. So if someone's in job search, okay, they're going to use these tools to evaluate the next organization and the next hiring manager. So the job seeker would ask their hiring manager to fill this out? No, no. Oh, You're going to self-fill it out. Oh, got it, got it. You're going to okay. self-fill it out. Got From it. a consulting, okay. a consulting uh, framework, if you're asked to go into an organization to uh, 
help them figure out what's wrong and how can they change their culture, you can adapt these tools to use from that to sense. If you're, if there's a, for example, somebody came to me and said, I'm having trouble with this boss, his, his team hates him, I don't know what to do. I could have the team and the boss, you know, fill this out. And then this would enable me to score the perceptions of the direct reports of that particular boss. And right. then it feedback to that boss and the, you know. Got it. Okay, thank you. And, and then is that, would that tell you the culture or that would tell you the boss? That would. This you, sources and types of power is, can be used to evaluate an individual. Okay. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Organizational climate is more towards the uh, climate, the bigger picture. Got it. Okay. Thanks. And Dr. Laura, if you use this um, to give an assessment of, a, of a, a boss or supervisor, if you're having the um, the leader also fill it out themselves, are they filling out what they think they are? Or are they filling it out on their own supervisor. So I think I understand your question. I can, I can rate myself on this and, and calculate a score, but there's the problem of my own personal perception. And we, we know that often, very often, we think we're behaving a certain way and our direct reports may say the total opposite. So it's a tool that can be used both ways. If you're going to evaluate a team, see what the boss says about himself and compare it to what does the team say about the boss. If there's a significant degree of alignment or a significant match, then we can make a judgment call based on that. If there's misalignment or or very different or extreme views of my how I view myself and how other views others view me. It's a learning opportunity, right? For some coaching or some work on how to move the alignment closer together. Okay, think that's what I was thinking. Thank you. Okay. Okay, so determining cultural fit. And again, this can be used if you're in job search or if you're going into an organization to do some consulting, before I go into an organization to do work, I, I have a checklist and I go through all of these. What do I expect to find when I get there? Is it gonna be like working at Walt Disney or is it gonna be like Testa? And this is what I use to determine how the culture is. For an individual, you'd wanna define your your uh, personality, right? Take a DISC assessment, okay? Every, everything else is the same here. Examine and note, look at the company's annual report. And what do you understand from that? Go to the company web pages and see what are their mission, vision, and values. Looked at the LinkedIn company page and follow the page for a while. What kind of posts do you see? Okay. Also, you can go to Glassdoor employee comments. Okay. And if you're in job search, look at the job description because it is a significant indicator of what it's going to be like 
to work this job for the boss that's responsible for it, okay? And do you see, ask yourself these questions. Do you see evidence of psychological climate dimensions or power usage, either general or specific? And use exercises 5.1 and 8.1 as checklist criteria. There is so much information available to folks these days and it's easily accessible. This is an example of a job description, okay? And you can tell very quickly what it's gonna be like to work here when you look at some of these statements. This is an actual job description for an investment bank banking analyst. Insightful, you can't be wrong, naive, or miseducated. Immediately, do you wanna work there? Accurate, no sloppy or careless errors. Precise with specific examples, no generalities or platitude. Clearly communicated, doesn't need to be customer presentable or pretty. Delivered quickly, tasks are solved in days, not weeks or months. Are you starting to get an understanding of what it's gonna be like to work there? And what the culture is? Very, very, very much information can be gained by a job description. Dr. Laura, I have a question. So, you know, I saw, I get the question a lot of times, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, you know, I'm trying to find an organization that, you know, I fit in, but then there's this leadership potential gap. So short of, you know, helping the tiger change his stripes, which we know isn't always possible. Do you have suggestions for that? Like, is it really a thing where, you know, the leadership really needs to be open to change and getting a good coach, right? That can make them aware of some of these, these ways that they function. Um, what are your thoughts on that? First, understand what understand your your personal your personality. Okay, mm -hmm. that's the first step. Always, 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 <clears throat> because you need to seek an environment that is in alignment with your personal values, your introversion, extroversion. Follow me. So always that first. With respect to um, the other questions. The next slide, I think, is going to answer that one, Melanie. Great. Okay. Okay. So in job search and trying to find a cultural alignment, again, understand your own personality. If you're rules-based, you want an organization that's in synchronicity with your type of personality. Networking, and I know Ed's on the call, and I know Neil's on the call, and I, yeah, I'm going to ask them to chime in on this. This is one of the best ways uh, to ascertain what the company culture is really, really like. And that's to have an informational conversation with staff at the company, in the department, people who have previously worked at the company for the hiring manager and flip the script using those exercises, right? What's it like to work at ABC company for Joe Smith? How is performance measured at ABC company? And that's climate question three. That's gonna give you insight into the standards of performance. Is there a formal rewards program? What gets rewarded? That's climate question one on reward system. Are goals and responsibilities clearly defined? That's climate question two, organizational clarity. 
But I really, Melanie, if you will, let me, I would really would like Neil and, and Ed to chime in here, master networkers, um, to give some comments on how they might use networking to align cultural fit. Ed, Neil? I'm happy to jump in. Um, Laura, one question I all, all, often or mo all the time ask of it in an interview is, what do you like about working at X? And that starts to answer those questions, but, um, and, and you can start, you, you can start to hear what's important to them. And then you can ask the follow-up questions, which are right here. So those are excellent points you made regarding networking. I think, you know, networking with people who are um, connected to you in some way through an alumni group, through uh, another networking group, um, you can reach out, talk to them and, and find out. And it's interesting because people will jump in answering those questions because it's important to them. So it, it's, um, it works really well. And I think, I know um, Ed had to jump off because I know he had another call. So okay. I want to, I do want to be sensitive to, and I know we um, have used up most of our time, but there's so much good information here. Um, I want to do a little bit of a wrap up. And then for those of you that can stay and continue to chat with us and ask questions, I would love for you to stay on with us. Um, just want to, of course, you know, thank you, Dr. Laura, for joining us and imparting all of this good knowledge with us. This has been amazing. Hopefully you all can figure out ways to use this and work it into either whichever side of the coin you're on, either, you know, the leadership side or coaching the leadership or finding the job. I think all of this is so relative. Um, we talk a lot about intentionality and I think that's what this drives to, right? Being very intentional about, am I a culture fit? Are you a culture fit? Um, I love, I love this content. Um, for all of us, I think it's important for us just to recognize that we're having these conversations, which is part of the being intentional. And I'm so thankful that you're all part of this, you know, creating the meaningful change. Um, with our contributions today, I know we're able to make some great donations to the Free Store Food Bank. So thank you guys for joining us. And we will make sure that we're, you know, for every dollar we raise, we feed, we create three meals, which is very important. Um, and just excited to be here with you guys today. And I thank you for joining us and, and having this great conversation. So if you have to jump off, understand, uh, for those of you that want to stay on, would love to, to continue talking. And my okay. apologies for being late. I'm never late. I just could not get connected. It was odd. We, we were starting to worry about you a little bit. So I'm glad that you <laughs> were fine. That was the good news. You know what? I, I, I do have a question for, for Dr. Laura. I, I, it's weird calling you Dr. Laura when you're my friend, Laura, but uh, I'll, do, I'll do that out of respect today. Okay, thanks, um, Neil. No problem. In, in your slide where you talk about different types of culture, um, I think one might be missing or part of two, which would be caring and what was it? purpose and caring. I think what's happening, unfortunately, companies mean well, but their caring or purpose might be either confused or unintentionally connected to political motivation. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Last summer, all of this stuff around the, you know, I'm not getting political, I'm just making the point. Companies cannot wait to jump on um, diversity and inclusion and really hammering away in the workplace. But what happens is it tends to um, disconnect people and pit people against each other when it should be unifying. So caring and purpose, I think we all can agree that 
if the company has a, a seminar or a class on you know, cancer awareness or work-life balance, those things are, are apolitical. But when they start diving in that water, they unintentionally create problems for themselves that alienate people from their friends and force discussions that you really should not have in the workplace. So it, it, it's tough to do that. And I, I think, um, and, and take vaccinations, right? I mean, you know, this, that's becoming a very big cultural thing and it's going to pit people against each other. It doesn't matter where you, where you stand, it's irrelevant, but it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to create a, a lot of adversity in the workplace. It's totally unnecessary. So I, I offer that comment. Right. And that's, Melanie says, you know, what is to be intentional and, and what's the intention behind these yeah. um, efforts on the organizational side? They mean well, but sometimes they get them, they wrap themselves too hard around something sometimes and they, they can't get out of it. Yeah. Um, the last slide I have is just the same information on how would you approach the hiring manager folks. And, you know, it's, of course, add Niels in and then use the tools that I gave you. And then there's some recommended reading if you need additional information. I love it. Actually, hey, Dr. Laura, go back one slide for me, that hiring manager slide. I'll see that one. Thank you. Hey, guys, I got to run. I just wanted to say thank you, Melanie. I appreciate you inviting me. I learned a lot today. And thank you, Dr. Laura. There's this wonderful information, and I'm looking forward to getting the slides so I can kind of study them a little bit deeper and implement some things. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Reach out to me if you have additional questions. All right. I would encourage you all, if you do get a chance, you know, please do connect with each other on LinkedIn. You know, we're all those people that are excited to learn about culture and, and make things better. You know, we've all said that we've got to put the work in and this is where some of that begins. So, all right, well, I am going to kind of wrap us up here. Um, Dr. Laura, thank you again. Everybody, thanks so much for joining us. I think this is just another product of, you know, when we're intentional, um, together we thrive. You know, this is that example of we're going to keep doing great things and, and build from the foundation, start in the roots, right? And build up to, to create great cultures. So great tools. Thank you, Dr. Laura, for your- Thank you again. Sorry for being late. I am never late. <laughs> we're, we're glad you're here. All right. Thanks, everybody. Make it a great day. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks. For more information, please check out our website at www.thrivewithmb.com or send me a note at melanie at thrivewithmb.com. Thanks for listening and keep leading with heart because when people matter, companies thrive.